so we continue our sermon series this summer on what was Jesus thinking, and we've been on this great journey. But, you know, before we get started, I thought that song was amazing. She did, Angie and uh, Sean did amazing. I had never heard that song, but I gave the text to Sean earlier this week, and and uh, I really appreciate them finding it. It was just uh, beautiful, just great. And so it sets a tongue for our message this morning because we're going to talk about the parable of the sower, the parable of the seeds. Uh, so uh, as I mentioned, you know, what is Jesus thinking? So we've been talking about, you know, the kingdom of God because Jesus spent more time talking about the kingdom of God than either topic. We talked about Jesus' um, when he talked about his teachings on the Sermon on the Mount, and we spent some time there in the, in the gospel, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then we talked about the last couple of weeks about the parables. And so um, this is the third parable I want to share this, uh, for this summer series. So we talked about the parable of Good, Sher- uh, Good Samaritan, uh, the parable of uh, the prodigal son. And so today, uh, today we want to share with this great text from the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter. So here are these words today. So let me just read the story. So that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat in beside the sea and such great crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat and sat there, and while the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up, and other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had, well, no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, well, they withered away. And other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and they choked them out. Other seeds fell on the good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone who has ears, let them listen, Jesus said. So then the disciples came to Jesus, and they said they didn't quite understand it. And they, he said, they asked, basically asked them to explain it. So Jesus actually explains this particular parable. Jesus doesn't always do that, but in this particular instance, he does. it. So this is what Jesus said to the disciples. He says, now, here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, well, the evil one comes and snatches away that is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this, well, this is the one who has ears, uh, hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet such a person has no root but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, the person immediately just falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, well, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, another sixty, another thirty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. What a great story. Love this story. So last Saturday, my um, daughter came up um, with my beautiful little granddaughter, and they were going for a, well, they had a baby shower because Olivia's expecting our second little grandchild. Um, He's going to have a little boy in the name of Mason. And so um, uh, her mother threw her a shower, and um, it was down there in Wildwood, and they had a, so when, when Donna does something, she does it big. And so everything was perfect, and you know, the table was perfect, and she had gone to Walmart and bought some of these little uh, marigolds, these little plants. She, that was the centerpiece, and she had it decorated perfect, and had, no, it wasn't just like a plant on the, uh, I just would have put the plant, but no, no. She gets the plant and has to decorate the pot and has this little string around it, and so anyway, we had all that. So, and, and so when it, the shower was over, 
um, she had said to me, um, said, you know, when we have, you know, Harold, when we get done with this, you can actually plant these. And I said, well, sure, that would be, that would be fine. And, and so, um, I know that was like a sign. So um, the plants ended back at our house and they're on the front porch. And then about two or three days later, she was hitting around and she says to me, she says, Harold, the, the plants are, are starting to wither because it, you know, they need water and they really need to be planted, hint, hint, hint. And when she, when she says, you know, when we could plant these, usually that means I'm planting them. That's just how it works in my house. So, and, and so I went, so, okay, honey, I got it. So I went and I, I went to the garage and I pulled out this stuff. And this stuff, it's called a miracle Grow potting mix or potting soil. And, and when you buy the miracle Grow stuff, this is like potting soil on steroids. I just love this stuff. It's amazing. And, and so what's interesting, I actually, you know, I'm just kind of weird this way. I always like to find out like the story behind the story about like, so I started thinking, where did they get the name miracle Grow? And so I looked this up. And so the miracle Grow company is actually a part of the division of the Scott's Turf Building Company. And so I looked up. And so the, the Scott's company actually started with a guy by the name of Orlando Scott, who actually was a Civil War veteran. After the Civil War, he actually started his own little uh, hardware store. And out of the hardware store, he started selling seed to the farmers. And he came up with this brilliant idea. No one had ever thought about it. Why don't I sell seeds to like everybody, not just the farmers, but if just some average person wants to come in and get seeds, they, he started being able to do that. So he's the first one to actually came up with this idea. So not mass seeds, but let me bring it to the consumer. So he, his little hardware store continued to do very well. And now it's a multi-million dollar, billion, I guess a billion dollar corporation. And so about 1950, there was a couple of guys who invented this potting soil stuff. One of them was named was Horace and the other guy's name was Otto Stern. And they came with the idea and this is what they came up with. And so the Scots people actually ended up buying it because they thought it was such a great product. So now it's all part of the Scots company. But miracle Grow came up and this is the quote, the whole thing. You don't have to be an expert to create beautiful, a beautiful garden. And so what's interesting about that is that they came up with something so simple as like pine soil, but they put the nutrients in it. And so even just any average person can take this stuff, put it in this pot, put a plant in it. As long as you water a little bit, it's going to grow. Genius. You know, I thought that was pretty amazing, but I love the title of that. It's called Miracle Grow. It's almost miraculous. Just put the seed in it, put a little water in it. Big things happen. So I was thinking about that this week. You know, I don't know about you all, but so, oh, I'm at, let me show you my pictures of Miracle. Can you see? I actually, um, yeah, that stuff's amazing. I just want you to know that. So there's my plants and that's actually my little garden. So I did try to plant. So I, I'm doing pretty good with plants, but a few years ago, my, my wife came to me and she says, Harold, no, well, honey, we need to build a, we need a garden, a vegetable garden. And I said, okay, which means I'm going to do most of the work. And so we dug up the backyard and we put some green beans out and we put some carrots out. And so I came up with this brilliant idea. Instead, of, because I'm cheap, instead of going to Walmart and buying Miracle Grow, I went to my friend Ted, my friend Ted Graham, who owns some property and had some cattle farm out here. And so I, I thought, you know, I'll save some money. I'll just go get the cow manure. I had my truck and I, got, I went and got my cow manure in, that, in the pasture. I put it in, my, in the garbage can and I'll take it back and put it in my garden. So I put the, all the cow manure on the ground and I thought it was brilliant. I thought, man, I am really good. I saved a lot of money. 
And so what I didn't realize was after I watered all my plants and watered the manure, what happened was everything that sprang up, it was everything the cows were eating in his field ended up in my garden. And so there were weeds everywhere. I don't know what those cows were eating, but it was not good for my garden. So it was a complete trade wreck. And I finally just said, Donna, I just want you to know, we're just going to go to Publix and buy our green beans. It's a whole lot easier, right? So my thought on that is, and I love when it comes to our communion liturgy today, and here's my question, have you ever sabotaged God's good garden with your thoughts, your words, and your deeds? At the time, I didn't realize I was sabotaging my garden, but I did. You know, it's interesting, um, if you go back and read this story today, this particular parable, um, it begins with the, the crowds. The crowds were gathering around Jesus. It was amazing. I mean, Jesus is like a rock star. I mean, all of a sudden, people, he's, he's become famous because of his teaching, and people were just gravitating him, and he was doing marvelous miracles, and it's like his ministry was growing. And um, to the point when he got out of the, uh, I suppose he was leaving the house, and it talks about, the, he was probably in Caesarea, or actually in um, Peter's house there in Capernaum, and he walked out of the house and he saw the people, so he ends up going to the Sea of Galilee, and he actually has to get in the boat because they're crowding around him, and he gets in the boat and he begins to teach, which is amazing. And he begins to tell this particular parable, but you know what I thought was really interesting? Just once again, I love these little d- details. And... Um, it's about the crowds. So I don't know if you realize this, but um, uh, there's this person who has drawn a lot of crowds these days. As a matter of fact, was, as I, just before I was about to come here, um, she was on the news, and her name is, can you put that picture, Taylor Swift. You know what's interesting about Taylor Swift? When she started her, this, she's on this uh, tour right now, and it's drawn a lot of people. I mean, you're talking about big crowds. So on the first day when they put her tickets on sale, it caused a complete meltdown in ticket, um, in ticket Master. It completely meltdown down their whole system because she sold 2.4 million tickets in one day. One day. And it's expected her world tour is going to create somewhere between like $1.4 billion. That's a B. That's amazing. Think about all the people all around the world. You're talking about attracting the crowds. And then I started thinking about the generation that we have in our culture today, I just wondered. Jesus drew crowds in his day. Taylor Swift is certainly drawing her crowds these days. But if kids were asked and given the opportunity, would you go to see Taylor Swift or would you walk across the street and listen to Jesus? Which one would you choose to go listen to? Crowds. You know, I, I went to Europe back in 1980, and my mom and dad took me, and, um, and I had the opportunity to go into the great, to see some of the greatest cathedrals. As a matter of fact, here's a picture of the, one of the great cathedrals. I think this is in Cologne, and this is what it looks like outside. This is what it looks like inside. It's mag- unbelievable. And what's interesting, I don't know if you realize this, but many of the great cathedrals in Europe, many of them are actually turning them into museums. I mean, people are drawn to go see the great architecture and the history but they're not going there to worship Jesus Christ anymore. And what's amazing to me is that um, if you go back and look at history, world history, when they planted all these churches all around Europe, 
when they put the church, they put the church in the middle of the community. They put it in the middle of the town. So people from the crowd come because the central focus of the whole community was the church to come and worship Jesus Christ. Wow. But now they're museums. Uh, we had the Unstuck group here this last uh, week. And Unstuck is um, uh, a consulting firm that came to help us think about the future of our church and continue to grow our church and um, thinking strategically what can we do to continue to keep the vision moving forward. And they did a wonderful job. They've actually spent the last three months with us. And so one of the things that they, um, this last time when we talked about strategic planning, what came up, they, um, Amy was one of the key leaders for this last time. She actually lives in Minnesota. And um, she uh, had never been to the villages, but she thought it was pretty much of a hoot. I say, oh, yeah, it's a hoot. There's a whole lot going on here. She loved the idea. We had golf carts and everything. So anyway, and so um, she said, and we were talking about like our target group when we're thinking about who we're trying to reach, you know, people moving to our community, like that 55 to 65 group age and strategically planning how we continue to reach people and grow the kingdom. And she said, you know, Harold, what a great opportunity for to be able to reach people that are at this stage of their life and they're retiring. And now listen, I just turned 60. <sighs> and I guess I'm somewhere between the third and fourth quarter of my life. And so we have to kind of figure out and calculate where we are in our life. But she says, you know, when you think about where people are, what a wonderful opportunity to be able to reach people at this stage of their life. Because we all know that time continues to tick along. And I will, I'll tell you this, there are people in your neighborhoods who don't know Jesus, but need to know Jesus. You know, I found in, in my experience of being the minister for 35 years is that people don't know how much they really need Jesus until there's a crisis. And when they have a crisis, they go, oh, my God, what do I do? And then maybe there's a hole in their heart. And then if somebody, maybe from our church, goes and just... Loves them. I don't know how many funerals we have done for people in our community that someone knew somebody because they didn't have a church home, but then we've rolled out the red carpet and allowed them to just come and we tried to do our very best to minister to them. And it's a wonderful opportunity to, once again, share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone who maybe doesn't have a church home, who doesn't know Jesus, but we just shower them with love. Because people need to know the Lord. Yeah, I was interesting the other day, um, someone gave me um, this little article, and, um, and it was called, uh, because I, when I think about the parables, I think the parables are all meant to be like a self-examination. And so this particular article is about a guy by the name of Mitchell Hollis. I think I got a picture of Mitchell Hollis up here. He's running, maybe you could put that. So this is, a, and this, this picture is actually the picture of the article. I think this might have come out of, um, it came out of Guidepost. And so the person who sent this to me knows I'm an avid runner. And, and what was very interesting about this story about Mitchell was, once again, it's about self-examination, right? And the parables are always pushing us. Jesus is always pushing to examine ourselves. And so I thought it was really powerful because evidently Mitchell, one day he was um, a little, maybe a little overweight. He said, oh, you know what, I'm going to need to go exercise. So he started exercising. He started, he said, I'll just run from here around my block. And so he, he ran around the block. He said, I kind of like that. The next thing you know, he ran a little bit more, a little bit more. And then he uh, signed up for a 5K and then he signed up for a 10K. And next thing you know, he's run like a half marathon. Next thing you know, he's running a, a full marathon. Next thing you know, he's doing triathlons. And he, not only was he involved, he got his whole family involved. And he just went off on this kind of major tangent. And then one day, one of his friends came to him 
and says, hey, Mitch, don't let's let this become your God. Because he kept talking about all these things and all these places and how he kept trying to improve his, his number and, you know, to be able to have a PR, his personal, his personal best. And he went on and on and on. And this, like, one of his friends came to him and says, hey, Mitch, don't let this become your God. So then he, he went from running from God to running, and here's a little, um, running, uh, can you put that little logo up? Running for God. Changed his life. That one little statement, Mitch, don't let this become your God. So Jesus is always like the idea of spiritual evaluation or spiritual examination. So in this particular parable today about the parable of soul or the parable of seeds, there's this special, like, it's almost like this kind of a, a attention deficit. Jesus really impresses upon, you know, he who has ears lets you hear. And so when Jesus is talking about hearing, he's not just about talking about hearing audibly. He's talking about, is your heart really hearing what I'm having to say? So what Jesus is stressing the importance of understanding the seed, the seed is the word. And sometimes you can either understand it or you don't understand it, which the disciples didn't understand what Jesus, Jesus, can you explain this to us? And then Jesus stresses the importance of hearing from your heart and not just your ears. And he talks about stressing the importance of bearing fruit. And so we have this story. So real quick, let me just share with you. So Jesus starts this parable off and he talks about the soil that is on a hard pan. Can you put that slide up, a hard pan, that first slide up? If you, so this is actually taken. I took this picture and this is in Israel. So once again, Jesus is always drawn upon images that people could understand, especially in the agriculture-related uh, climate that he lived in. And so that, that particular picture, you could see the beaten path, down path. This is the actual place in which Jesus would have actually walked. So people would have understood. So the seeds are sowed, and they're sowed. And what happens is some of those seeds, would have, as the, Jesus is spinning, it's the word of God. And some of them hit on hard pan. And he says, listen, it hits on hard pan. It doesn't go into the soil because it can't because the soil is too hard. And so the birds come and snatch it away. So the seed never can germinate. And so you know what I love about this part of the story is that as Jesus is spinning the story, I never thought about this until this week. I, I just think God is like the eternal optimist, isn't he? He just keeps sowing seed. So he starts out, and it's not very successful, but he realizes that some of the seeds are falling down on a hard pan soil, and they're, they're not doing too good. But you know what I love about this is that the sower just continues to sow the seed. But sometimes seed falls on a hard heart. And you know what? I thought about this last week. I, I mentioned this last night, and someone came into me and says, I actually went to see this person do his thing, and his name was George Carlin. You might remember George Carlin. He was a, a comedian. And this is what George Carlin said once upon a time. He says, you know, I would never want to be a member of a group whose symbol was a guy nailed to, uh, nailed to two pieces of wood. And so George missed the whole point. I mean, not only do we have Jesus' death, yes, there's a guy, they nailed him to two pieces of wood, but... We also have the precious gift of the resurrection, the hope of Jesus Christ. So George completely missed the whole point of Jesus because his heart was hard. And then you have this, you know, once again, the idea that Jesus is, as he spin this door, we have this, and all of a sudden, you know what's amazing is sometimes, and if you just continue to sow the seed, that maybe even the seed falls down in the midst of a crack and maybe it begins to get a little water and it begins to germinate. And this is what can happen when a seed falls down the crack, even a hard pan soil. You can get that. So Jesus says he's the eternal optimist. And then you have this shallow soul. And so can you put that next slide up about shallow soul? And once again, I took this picture. This is actually a picture of uh, 
right? And the background is the Sea of Galilee. Where's Jesus talking? The Sea of Galilee. That's one of my kids on this. And what's very interesting, most people don't realize, but around the Sea of Galilee, the, there's this limestone, but then you have the agriculture, you have the, you have the ground, and there, but it's, it's a very thin layer between what's the earth and then the, the soil and then also the limestone. And so when Jesus is talking about, he says, listen, sometimes the, so, the seed can be sown and it's really, and people would have understood exactly what he was talking about. You know, my, my little granddaughter was here this last week and um, Donna took her down to uh, the food pantry down at Lake Pan. And um, when I use this as a teaching moment, Marley's five. And um, I said, Marley, tomorrow you're gonna go with your grandmother. You're gonna go down to the Lake Pan and you're gonna give out food. And she says, I am. I said, yeah. And, she, and I said, well, she basically was asking questions. And Marley's a planner. She wants to understand everything from A to C. And so I kind of laid it all out for her. And I said, you know, you're gonna go and you're, take, you're gonna take some food and you're gonna put it back in someone's trunk. And I explained that. And she said, why am I doing that? I said, well, because there are people who are poor. And we want to help them. I said, your mom and dad have, you have, you're going to always have something to eat. And your mom and dad are going to provide for you. And we have plenty of money to help love you and support you. But there are people who don't have that. And so here's a picture of my little granddaughter this last week. putting, She's putting food in the people's trunk. And you know what? The reason why I use this as a teaching moment is because I, I wanted to understand there has got to be depth to your spiritual being that we just don't go through life and it's just some kind of shallow, there's some sense of depth to her faith in Jesus Christ and you put that in action. And then, um, you know what's interesting is that then Jesus continues to spin the story. He says, well, some of the soil falls down in the weedy soil. And, the, and matter of fact, here's another picture. This is actually taken. And this is what it looks like around late May, early June in the Sea of Galilee. It's all dried up. And so what's very interesting about the weed soil, and what Jesus defines when he talks about that particular soil, he talks about how the weeds can basically choke out the seed. It clutters it up. It becomes cluttered, and, and it, it, comes, um, uh, chokes, it can choke out what is good and right and, and holy. And I don't know about you all, but I have a whole bunch of stuff in my garage. Does anybody else have any clutter besides me? It's in my attic, it's in my garage, it's in my closet. Matter of fact, we were just cleaning out some stuff in our, in our house this last, actually last night, and so it's all gonna go to bargains and blessings, and we'll sell it to do something good for us, somebody else, but sometimes you just have to clean. And what Jesus is saying is sometimes the seed can get choked out because it's so cluttered. And what Jesus defined, you ready? What clutters out our life is like the worldly things of life, and he says wealth, chokes it out. And then Jesus says, and finally some of this, See, once again, God is the eternal optimist, isn't he? He continues to sow, and finally some of the seed hits pay dirt, and it falls in, and it's germinated, and it good seed and good soil, and it bears fruit, or it bears a harvest. And then Jesus says, and it continues to, what's, it continues to reproduce. Some it's 30-fold, some 60, some 100. And it's, once again, it's genius on Jesus' part because people would have understood exactly about the idea of, because they would have sowed their seed, they would have gathered the harvest, and then they would have pulled out some of the seed to use next year. Because when you think about the word of God, it continues to can reproduce. And so once again, we continue to share the seeds of God's love and hope and the word of God and it never, ever runs out because we continue to reproduce it year in, year out, and less, and less, and less. We stop reaching the next generation. If you skip a whole generation, then it could die out. 
By the way, you, what's interesting is that um, Taylor Swift, she's a, a phenomenal, evidently a phenomenal entertainer. When you can sell like 2.4 million tickets in one day, that's pretty good. You're going to raise, you know, you're going to have a tour that's going to raise $1.4 billion. That's pretty good. So Taylor Swift is a really good entertainer, but Jesus Christ is a life sustainer. There is a difference in life and our culture. So I close with this little thought today, and we're going to have Holy Communion. I found this video a few years ago. I think I might have showed it. Man, chances are you may not remember it, but it was um, back in, it was actually 2016. It was a uh, football season started. Matter of fact, I don't know if you, Thursday night, they had the opening kickoff. They had the beginning of the NFL season at the um, Hall of Fame game. And so um, this reminded me of this. And so this is a story about a, a young man who, um, him and the at Florida State football team went into a cafeteria. And so this is what happened. So Bo became a rock star. Isn't that a great story? But it all started with one seed that actually reproduced over a whole cafeteria. And that's the good news for today. That we continue to sow seeds of God's love. And you never know through the mystery of God's unconditional love what it might continue to do in our community, in our own life, in our church. Thanks be to God. Amen.